Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back. I'm Alfred Lavermont Weber, and today I am... As I said, I'm truly in awe with our guest today, true seeker, musician, songwriter, singer, and now author. Welcome, true seeker, who's here to speak about his new book, Spirit Realm, Angels, Demons, Spirits, and the Sovereignty of God. Now, Trusik has been a guest on our program on Exopolitics TV as a songwriter uh, who has released over 200 songs uh, relating to the subject of spirituality, life, Christ, the whole, you know, (laughs) universe. And uh, now he's here as a Christian mystic, Amazon bestseller, author, visionary artist, seer, with a vision to release the spirit of awakening. Now, I'm in awe because I I have now finished reading his 16-part book, Spirit Realm, Angels, Demons, Spirits, and the Sovereignty of God, and I had no idea that Trusika was working on this book, that this book was about to be produced, and that now it's out in the public and it 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 is rolling forward. And so it, it just it was like to me it's been like wow, amazing. <laughs> and so I'm really looking forward to this opportunity, Trusika, that you Take us through how first, how you got from, you know, your whole journey from musician to now author and then into the message, uh, this 16-part complex message of this book. So with that kind of setting the stage and context, I'm going to turn it over to you Uh, thank you so much for the kind words again alfred man it's just a it's a pleasure to be with you again like last time um i'm just blown away by your work and everything that you've been bringing to the table for years and consistency is key i mean that's one thing that i found out over the years and you've definitely been consistent with what you're bringing to the table so thank you for everything that you do as well um i've been working on on the book it was i've been working on it for about a year but it's been something I haven't really been publicizing 
too much, just trying to uh, get it ready and then present it to the people kind of uh, all of a sudden, really. So it was kind of just like here the next day. Uh, I remember putting out a, a Facebook and Instagram post asking people if I was to release a book, who would buy it? And everybody, was, it, it just was like, I'd buy it. I want it. I'd love for you to release a book. And then literally a week later, the book was out. So, uh, and everybody came through. I released it, put it on Amazon, it, uh, Amazon.com. It um, immediately went to the bestsellers list and uh, the number one um, uh, selling book in all the, all the categories that I was in, uh, angelology and demonology, uh, spiritualism and spiritual warfare. So those are some of the uh, topics that I cover in the book. Um, it didn't hurt to have a co-sign from my good friend, Jordan Maxwell, who wrote about seven pages or so for the forward. So Jordan Maxwell came through and wrote the forward for me. I was so blessed to have him to be able to do that. Um, definitely his work is a huge reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, just when I was kind of going back and forth, undecided about uh, you know which path I wanted to take and what ministry would look like, what getting the truth and knowledge and information and what path to take would look like. It was Jordan Maxwell who came through me and a couple of uh, personal phone calls who really lit a fire within me and just, just telling me to be my authentic self and just present the truth uh, like I see it. And so that's what I did in the book, Spirit Realm, uh, Angels, Demons, Spirits, and the Sovereignty of God, forward by Jordan Maxwell. Um, really, and, and so you've read it, so I've tried to paint a picture of the beginning of going through some obscure texts within the Bible that a lot of people have kind of read over throughout the years, but they don't really understand it and showing you this ecosystem of heaven, earth, and then the other dimensions as well, and how they all kind of coexist around humanity to bring about our greater good and how all these things that are working for us, um, even the bad stuff, even what may seem like to be demonic attacks and malicious things that come against us in the end, that there's a greater good for the hope of humanity and for our own individual journey as well. So I painted that picture and then I go into um, some of the different entities that are mentioned throughout the scriptures. There's ghosts, there's angels, there's elemental spirits that travel through the fire, there's examples in the scriptures where people were uh, camped around a fire and an angel would travel from heaven and come through the fire, deliver a message and then travel and go back in the fire and go back to heaven. So there's these different ways of like the angels communicating through the elements. I wanted to convey that and just really painting a picture of the ecosystem again of the spirit realm and how it affects our lives and how we're being affected either knowingly or unknowingly as well. So um, that, that was like the gist of it, of painting that. The second half of the book is more of just my encounters with those type of beings, whether it would be the angelic beings, uh, what some would call aliens and summoning UFOs and things like that. Just anything that I've had personal encounters with over the years, elementals, I've had uh, vexes and curses put on me and things like that over the years. And I've had uh, demonic entities that were summoned from other people who were in to the occult. So I go into some of those stories as well. And just kind of being able to step back uh, after a couple of years of looking at all this stuff and see how it all works together for our good. And then the end of the book really gets into how to uh, how we're being influenced and we're being communicated with, and many of us don't even know it, whether we're empathic, 
telepathic, we're able to pick up on vibrations and spirits communicating messages to us. Uh, you know, many times people don't even know it because it's by way of the imagination and thought forms and uh, communing telepathically, feelings and emotions that we get within our body and people don't even know it. So I'm going into some of those details and then going into my personal experience, just kind of making it real for people as well. Right, right. And, and you've, and, and you've done that over, over 16 parts and, and really started out uh, uh, in, in areas uh, going through uh, biblical passages in, in areas in, in, in a very deep way. Maybe you could share some of those with us. Would you like to do that or? Yeah, again, there's just these obscure passages. I, I, I grew up in church and um, even into like the, the spiritual aspect of Christianity as well. And there would be um, scriptures that we would read, but we would just read over them and they didn't really make any sense. One of them being uh, Job chapter four, Job wakes up in the middle of the night, he's laying in bed and he looks in the hallway and he sees this thing that's just changing appearance. It's almost this wavering or moving and it's changing shapes and he's looking at it. And when he's seen it, it it's the scripture says that all that the hairs on his body stood on ends and he got chills all the way down. He was shaken to his bones. So he woke up in the middle of the night, middle of the night, frightened by an entity at the foot of his bed in the hallway. And um, he couldn't, it says he couldn't discern the form. So it was continually moving and it sounds like a, what we would call a ghost. So sometimes the, these ghosts and these spirits can appear to you as a, uh, a ball of gas, uh, a shadow, um, uh, a mist or whatever. And it, it communicated telepathically with him because it brought a message. And it said the message was uh, just something about wanting him to understand his own immortality. Like your days are numbered, make the best of it and carry the message, right? And so uh, understanding that, like that's an encounter we would say would be a ghost or something like that. And uh, I've had very similar encounters waking up in the middle of the night and looking at, uh, at the, the shadows in the room and all of a sudden they start moving and shifting and, and immediately a message is communicated telepathically. And that's just setting up one instance just to, just to show you that um, throughout the scriptures, when it talks about angels, the word angel in breaking it down to the Hebrew um, only means a messenger. It's a being or an entity or even a person that's relaying a message. This person has this message to carry. So whether it was a message from the creator, a message from the angels that sent out a lesser being to carry a message, they come, they travel back and forth from heaven to earth, from the ethers to carry messages for mankind. And so there was an example in Job. And then there's just so many examples to where I would show how these spirits even present themselves before God. We know that the story in Job where it says that the spirits presented themselves before God as well as Satan. And they, they want to um, petition mankind. They want to tempt mankind and these type of things. And they have to ask for permission before they get access to our etheric bodies, if they come down with a form of temptation, uh, stricken people with illnesses and things like that, and just showing how like 
the scripture shows that God, like the supreme power, is the author and finisher of it all. So it's like being scripted by a higher intelligence, who we would call God, the universe, spirit, many people call it. And, um, and it's an interactive encounter, and it's all working together for our good if we can really just see past it and understand the messages from the angelic realms. Um, getting into the demons and stuff as well, most people say the demons are like from Satan or they're against God's will or whatever the case is. And it's just showing that the demons as well carry messages. Now, they may not be happy messages that may not make us feel good, but they're for our betterment. We have to go through um, situations and seasons that may seem dry, of confusion, of asking for answers and things like that. But if we make it through in the end, there's so much more character that we have. There's so much more um, um, wisdom and honor and, and um, intelligence that we, we make it through because we pass the test. And so these spirits, whether they be demons or whatever, they, they bring messages as well. And the messages are whether you're caught up in a lifestyle of, 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 of deceitfulness, if you're lying to people, if you're uh, stealing, if you're robbing, if you're spreading rumors, there are spirits and entities attached with all of that stuff. And they carry messages and, and they hang around that type of, of um, ideology, belief system and, and works as well. So if you're doing that kind of stuff, you're going to be vibrating on the same levels as those types of entities. Right now, you the part part one uh, uh, is titled "The Sovereignty of God," and then you go into a section. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic. When I can, I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Trials, tribulations, and testing. Could you talk more about what you see as, quote, the sovereignty of God and then how that fits into trials, tribulations, and testing? Yeah. Um, it really. I'm trying to paint the picture just because I grew up in Christianity and this is so foreign to most churchgoers and even people who are into Gnosticism and things, they look at this God. So I'll say this. So many people who eventually deviate from Christianity per se to get into Gnosticism, it's because they don't understand the dualistic nature of the one. The scripture says here, O Israel, the Lord is one. Um, and so there's this, this uh, likened to that there was a different God of the Old Testament of the Bible versus the new. There were two different gods and one is a God of peace. The other one's a God of war and wrath and things like that. But it's to understand that 
the Lord is one. Like the scriptures are painting the picture of this one deity who interacts with mankind, who is sovereign. And the sovereignty there is that uh, whatever happens, even though we may per- perceive it to be good or bad, it is for the greater good. It is for our good. It is for our betterment. And once we understand that, we move from being victims of like, uh, I'm cursed by God or I'm stricken by God with this this illness. For me personally, I've been able to look back over my life and see those those times of darkness to be a blessing. Like I, Like there has to be a contrast there. For us to be able to enjoy the beautiful things in life, for us to be able to enjoy the light of Christ or the light of God, we have to be able to go through the darkness because you, there would be no contrast. If you were always in the light, you wouldn't know the, the contrast and the degrees and there would be no price to pay for the, for the, for the glorious light. And so for those who, are, who were in darkness, who have seen a great life, there's much to be thankful for. So it paints the picture uh, with the book of that, uh, the scripture says, I'm the Lord thy God, I create good and evil. So there's this good and evil coming from the same source. It's not it's not uh, a double-minded entity. It's not something that uh, is just throwing things in our way to make us stumble and, and trip or anything like that. But it's for us to learn. It's for us to go through these hardships and in going through the trials, the tribulations and the testings, character is imparted it's the only way that you that you learn like even for myself of like going through these personal inner working some people would refer to it as the hammering process the um uh, sanctification process of being tried by fire even as you would take gold and and and, and try the the gold by fire that it would be uh burnt with a fervent heat and all the impurities rise to the top they come out of the gold. So to get that pure gold, all of the bad stuff, all of the other metals that are mixed in with that gold, they rise to the top when the fire hits it. So it's part of us going through the testings, the trials, the questions, and looking for answers. That's the purification process that we're all going through. And there's levels to it. There's trust to it. There's, you know, once I've kind of taken this test once, twice, three times, okay, I've taken this test 17 times. I know how to pass it. I can tell you how to get through it. I've gotten, I've dealt with this 17 times over my lifespan and I can help you get through it as well if you would like help. So the book kind of paints that picture of, of, of hope even. And don't get discouraged just because things aren't going in your favor and you're uh, facing adversities and things like that as well. Right. Now, moving along, you you touch on various things and come to the subject of fallen angels and uh that's talked about a lot you know in in by people uh in their lives on online could you clarify who the fallen angels are and how how could a fallen angel affect one in one's daily life okay so the the fallen angels uh, and I tell people this, uh, um, like I said, the the book is in the angelology cal- cal- category, and for many people, um, once you read uh, or study the subject of angelology, you're eventually going to be led to the book of Enoch. You're eventually going to be led there. Most people through the book of Enoch, you're going to be led to the subject of aliens, whether it's evil aliens or um, what you know, good aliens or neutral aliens, whatever you 
they're not called aliens, but that's just a term that we've kind of been able to talk about with the lay people, the people who are kind of new to some of this stuff. So leading to the book of Enoch, uh, talking about the angels who sinned, the angels who looked down upon women and seen that they're that they were beautiful, seen the, you know, the, the, the beautiful splendor of their hair and took it upon themselves to come down and interact with mankind and take wives for themselves. Now the scripture goes on to, to, to say this in Enoch and it's re- reiterated in a couple other, the book of Peter, the book of Jude in the new Jude in the new Testament, but it talks about these angels coming down, intermixing with mankind and uh, bearing children amongst them. So, these children in, in ancient tr- tradition and lore, we would call, uh, you know, we, that's kind of where we get the Epic of Gilgamesh. This is where we get the, the War of the Titans, these big beasts who were on the, on the earth. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6 that there were giants on the earth in those days. And so it's, it's the, the belief that the children of the angels and the women uh, bore giants. Some of these women were killed in uh, childbearing. Uh, and and the angels uh, that had the children uh, gave birth to what is called the Nephilim, which is the the offspring. Um, the angels that sinned that came down, I'll go into detail in the book, and just really relating back to Enoch, says that um, the angels who left their first habitation, which was the heavens, outer space, if you will, um, they left, they came down, took women uh, as wives. They tried to go back to heaven. The creator says no. You wasn't supposed to leave. You were up here for a reason. You had jobs. You had duties. You were created to carry out these tasks. But you left this habitation, went to earth, and now you can't come back. You're defiled. You've went down there and defiled yourself and sinned with mankind. So they were kind of stuck in the ethers there. Uh, and then he banishes them to chains of darkness. Now, this is chains of darkness in the bottom of the ocean, the bottom of volcanoes, some believe, and different uh, pits in the, within the earth, mountains even. Uh, so these angels that sin that left their first habitation are supposedly trapped there, as legend says. Um, and then the children uh, who were on the earth, the Bible says that God sent the flood because the earth had become wicked. Many people believe that the flood was sent because of these these Nephilim spirits, these these uh, monsters who were interbreeding with, they were inter- intermixing with animals and creating hybrids and all of these kind of things uh, that God sent the flood to wipe them out. It's, it's a common belief. Um, since, since the flood wipes out the majority of these Nephilim spirits, these giants, they die, their spirit, they try to go back to heaven. Once they pass, God again says, no, you can't come to heaven. Uh, you're going to be stuck in between the ethers in the, in, in the earth space, and you're going to be there um, seeking rest, but finding none. So, it's, it's common belief that these, these Nephilim spirits that are in the ethers now, that they're influencing mankind, that the only way that they can feel the sensations that they used to feel while they were on earth is if they have a host. So if they are feeding off the energetic aura field of a human being, then they can feel what it feels like to, to murder. They know what it feels like to lust or to plant these type of uh, demonic and, and, uh, and uh, wicked thoughts within people. And you see a lot of people saying that they're hearing voices or the devil made them do it. So it's believed that it is the spirits of the Nephilim that are still here tormenting mankind. If you uh, participate in some of the things and open yourself up to 
the things that they did while they were here. Um, you know, uh, murder, revelry, stealing, robbing, all of the things that like in the scriptures, it says it's sin. It's bad stuff. Don't, don't do that because if you do, you're going to open yourself up to these type of spirits and any level that you're vibrating at, the things that you're doing, the things that you're entertaining within your waking hour, those are the type of entities on the other side that, that, that you're going to attract. Now, if you're doing beautiful things, uh, praying, meditating, spending time, uh, helping people, doing alms, when you tap into the spirit realm, you will encounter those type of beings. But for people who are doing the other stuff uh, that is kind of um, correlating to our fallen nature, when they type in, when, when they tap in, they're going to have those type of entities around them. And that's why you hear people talking about when they meditate, they have experienced demons or these, these ugly, grotesque beings on the other side that are even when they're within the, 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 the state between sleeping and wake, that they're, they're, they're able to see these type of entities in their room and stuff. And it's, be, it's because of this type of um, vibe, it's, a, it's the level of vibration that they're walking in. Uh, depending on what they're doing in their in their waking state, so you're almost essentially giving them without knowing it legal ground to interact with you, and people don't even know it. Right, right. Now, you you also uh, talk about, and and this is very interesting because I I I I haven't seen it treated that much elsewhere. The subject of spirituality and hair i know that you've got <laughs> a good set of hair could could you talk about that yeah there was um i mean again you know i try to go back to the bible for a lot of this stuff just to show that there is a connection especially where um again coming from christianity they would deem a lot of this stuff new age or extra biblical or pseudo biblical or whatever but just to show you that there's a there's a huge connection there to a lot of this stuff that they're just looking over the angelic communication, ghost spirits communing with the dead, things like that. But when it comes to the subject of hair, if, as far as going back to the scriptures, I'm reminded of the story of Samson, Samson and Delilah. And so he had long hair and uh, he said that his hair was his glory, that it gave him special abilities and, and he had power because he had never cut in his hair. Um, some of the people who would take a more devout spiritual life within the scriptures, they would take what is known as a Nazarene vow where they wouldn't shave their hair or their, cut their beard or anything. They would just let it grow. And eventually when it would grow and you're in the desert, it turns into dreadlocks. And even Samson uh, and uh, Samson and Solomon, the scriptures both says that they had uh, locks. So, uh, uh, Solomon had seven locks. Um, so it, it talks about, he had his head shaven by the enemies, the people who were plotting against him. They say he's, he has all of this power, all of this strength, and we, we can't withstand him. The only way that we'll be able to get him to let his guard down and to be able to uh, infiltrate and do what we want to do is if we cut his hair, if we could somehow cut his hair. So he was messing with the woman, Delilah, and when he was sleeping, she shaved his head. And he woke up and his power had left him when he cut his hair. And the scripture says, I had become like every other man. And he had, he had lost his sig spiritual significance. Uh With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, in my personal life, I've talked to some um, Jewish friends of mine who all have like really big beards and 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 they they, they don't cut the sides of their hair as well. They let it curl and um, and there's because they believe in, the, the, you know, the spiritual power of hair. And uh, when they would shave their beard or cut their hair, they they feel inwardly like they've lost their power going back to some of these different studies and stuff that were done within the native American cultures um, in, in, in the native American armies that they were doing tests on them for ESP extrasensory perception. And uh, some of the ones who were, who were sleeping in tents when there was an enemy approaching, they almost was able to feel that there was a uh, imminent uh, attack coming. That's something outside of, um, maybe you want to call it their auric field or their, or their um, um, vibrational field, you felt something different come in. And whether we call it the sixth sense, they was able to feel it. So they was able to wake up and, 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 and find out that they were being invaded by outside forces. And so they tried this same experiment with Native American Indians who they cut their hair and then they, the, the results were completely different. It's almost like they lost their spiritual abilities and spiritual powers to be able to sense what was going on around them. So uh, it's believed that the hair is an extension of the central nervous system, almost acting as an antenna to pick up on frequencies, telepathic communication, the sixth sense and things like that. I know whenever we feel a spirit around us, if there's a ghost, again, going back to the book of Job, Job said all the hairs on his body stood up. It's almost like even just the hair on his arm stood on ends as an antenna, as a spider sense, wow, something's going on, whether we're in, a, in, in the presence of a, uh, um, an, uh, another energy, an energetic being, whether they're here for our good or for our harm, you can feel it. Your, your, your skin even, uh, uh, you get chill bumps all over your whole body, all the way up your neck. And you can, it's like that ESP, extrasensory perception, where you can tell that there's spirits around as well. Right, right. Um, you know we're we're just going along i mean the, this the, your your book is just uh filled with uh so much information and topics within this new context that you've brought it and so i'd like to go to the co- topic of reincarnation and see how you how you frame reincarnation could you do that for us please for sure um i I do feel like my um my my gifting and my calling here is also to bridge the gap again from those who are kind of stuck in religion 
and this and just to show them that look some of these ideas that when you hear them at first they sound crazy when if you tell a, a, a christian about reincarnation they're going to call you the devil and they're probably going to run the other way but i'm here to show them like even the scriptures kind of validate some of these ideas for reincarnation whenever john the baptist was here and he was preaching repentance and stuff many of the people were kind of questioning within themselves it's like is this elijah who has come back to us and they even said the same thing about Jesus. Are you, are you Elijah? Because we've been told that Elijah was going to come back. So they're waiting for the reincarnation of these saints to come through um, other bodies. So they, they asked if it was John the Baptist. They asked if it was Jesus. And once John the Baptist uh, died, Jesus said, look, Elijah was here and you missed him. You didn't even know it was him. He was here through John the Baptist. And it says the spirit of Elijah was here. So they were, so it, it shows you the fact that they were already waiting for, it was something that they understood even biblically, the, the Jewish culture about reincarnation and spirits come back. Um, on the other side of that, communing with the dead, that's something, whether it's necromancy or something like that, it just sounds kind of unorthodox. But, you know, if we look at the Catholic tradition, they pray to the dead saints. They pray to the saints as um, emanations of God or pieces of, uh, of saints who were kind of closer to the heart of God, right? This saint was, was, um, was good with childbearing. And, and for those who, need, who, who are believing for a child, whether it's a barren woman, pray to this saint and this saint is close to the heart of God and will commune for you. So you don't have to kind of go to God yourself. You find this saint that kind of um, uh, symbolizes what you need, whether it's the, the saint or the angels of travel, you know, things like that, Gabriel, uh, things like that. So they, they have statues and they venerate these saints that have gone before. Moving a little bit further and more into the esoteric, there's a fringe group of Christianity now, now who were saying that the spirits of their teachers are appearing to them, even in Christianity. I'm not talking about the saints or the prophets, which they say they are too, but I'm talking about their uh, mentors who maybe died 10 years ago, who is, uh, they have this strong urge within them. And they'll say that they felt like God told them to go rent a hotel and fast and pray, go to the hotel and I have a surprise for you. or I have a message for you. They go there and their mentor who died 10 years prior shows up in spirit form and begins to teach them from beyond the grave. Now this is going on in, in, in some sects of Christianity, which is like people are starting to talk about it now. Now with books like mine and podcasts like these, people are feeling more comfortable, even though they've been having these encounters, people are scared to talk about it because if the pastor finds out, if the clergy finds out, they're going to be excommunicated. But the more people who come out and talk about these experiences, it's becoming more um, um, uh, accepted and people don't, don't feel so, so uh, marginalized or, or neglected for coming about and sharing this stuff. Going back to the scriptures, like we want to see how does that relate to the scriptures again, these types of uh, saints and prophets of old coming back to speak. Well, we know if we look at the, the earliest foundations of Christianity, not, be, not bef actually going back before the Reformation and then even going back before the Catholic Church, if we go back to the early uh, days of, of Christianity and, and, and the writings that we have there, it was definitely a spiritual practice that came from the East. 
and all of this stuff as far as meditation, leaving your body, communicating with angels, ESP, telepathy, all of that stuff, demons, fasting, all of these ecstatic encounters, they're all within the Bible. So understanding the context of where this, this book came from and these, these ideas came from, we know that Eastern thought, Eastern tradition, whether it's uh, Buddhist tradition or it's Hindu tradition, they believe that like, it was common knowledge that their ancestors or their gurus and teachers, once they would pass on to the other side, that they would continue to commune with them from the, the other side and they wouldn't abandon them. They wouldn't forsake them that from the other side that they would communicate with them because they have reached a level of ascension. It was a level that they have, that they have uh, done the work that they were put here on earth to do. And so from the other side, they were able to communicate understanding that in the Eastern thought, looking at the Bible, Jesus is always beckoning uh, his disciples. He would go on top of a mountain or he would go into a mountain to pray for hours on end. And he would beckon the disciples, hey, come with me. I got some stuff I want to show you. I've got some, some really cool stuff. And they, they would always fall asleep or it may be a couple hours into his prayer that all the really cool stuff would start happening. And so the first time that we really get to follow Jesus into his prayer chamber it's almost like a candid camera following him for the first time where we had some other eyewitnesses tell us what was going on was he goes up to the, the top of the Mount of Transfiguration, that's it's called in the scriptures. And so Peter, James, and John finally follow him up to the top of the mountain where he goes to pray. He goes there to commune with his father as he was bidding the rest of them to do as well, but they wouldn't listen. Finally, they come up there and, G, and the, the cloud opens up and uh, Moses and Elijah appear at the top of the mountain and begin to commune with Jesus. Jesus' clothes change. He changes into all white clothing. The angels appear in all white clothing. And uh, Peter, James, and John are freaked out that he's communing and being taught by Moses and Elijah from beyond the grave. As far as I'm concerned, this was something that he was continually doing every time that he would go in for prayer. Anytime that he would spend prolonged hours, I know like in the West and in church, we think that there's a prayer list. Uh, okay, I pray for brother so-and-so. I pray for so-and-so who's sick in their body and they have a prayer, prayer list. His prayers and his communion with God were these interactive encounters with the, uh, what, what the Bible calls in Hebrew, the great cloud of witnesses who would meet with him. And these were the saints who had come before him. And so we start seeing a biblical representation of some of the stuff that's been practiced for years by these other cultures, communing with the ancestors, communing with the, the avatars and saints who have come before us. So it gives that biblical outlook on that of something that nobody's probably ever heard of, you know? Right, right. Uh, well, well, similarly, uh, since this is, since this is exopolitics TV, you have a whole part of the book, part five, that's entitled Aliens, Angels, and UFOs. And I wonder if you could talk us through how you fit all of that in to the grand scheme of the spirit realm. For sure. Um, again, like I said, if you are studying angelology, who angels are, what their roles are, things like that, you're eventually going to be led to Enoch 
and you're eventually going to be led to aliens. Um, I really feel um, um, that this is something that needs to be translated because in Christendom, the the guys you're going to be led to are the Christian <laughs> ideas that the aliens are evil. Uh, we're, there's evil aliens, that there's nothing good out there. I'm not, we're not even talking about some good, some bad, some neutral. It, they're all demonic. Uh, the Christian belief is that all aliens are demons, literally, who have come down and they're abducting people and those kind of things like that. Um, so I, I felt the need to address that uh, within the book. So from, from my research, it, it, I've seen how um, the word for heavens is the same word for sky in the Greek and the Hebrew. And so we're seeing all of these times within the, the scriptures, how the prophets would gaze into the heavens or look up at the sky and they would see these different things going on, right? They would see lights in the sky, clouds uh, by day, fire by night, and how God would travel and lead the children of Israel through the desert. It sounds awfully like, uh, um, awful like a uh, UFO. They, they look like spheres of fire at night, certain ones. And clouds by day, whether they're cloud ships or they hide in the clouds or they're just kind of blurry a little bit far away out of sight, there's definitely a connection there. But looking at the word cloud and when it comes to demons or the fallen angels who there's a, it's a, I think the fear agenda is, is really popular right now. So um, moving that aside, the demons who or angels who were abducting people and, you know, and coming down to the earth, they were kicked out of heaven. Heaven is the sky. Heaven is the abode where, where the stars are above our head, uh, breaking it down to the, the scriptures. Um, and they were kicked out of there. So people believe that there's demons flying around in spacecraft abducting people. I don't think that that's accurate. I don't think that they're demonic entities. There's other people who believe that these, that the angels travel back and forth from heaven to earth, carrying messages, appearing to men. Um, at, Enoch says that as they uh, travel the heavens, they look like a flame of fire. But as they come to earth, they're able to take upon the appearance of men. So they're able to travel back and, fire, uh, back and forth through the fire or as a fire. The book of Psalms says that uh, the Lord maketh his ministers as a flame of fire. So they're literally made out of the fire of God. The Bible says that, uh, yes, our God is a consuming fire, like is light, light. So they're beings that are made out of light and they travel by the speed of light. Um, a lot of this comes out of just doing my own research from the Christian perspective, which led me again to the fact that, look, all of these uh, encounters and all of these uh, experiences and testimonies that people are coming with, they're demonic. And it's hands down across the board. I'm one of the only ones who, uh, who have kind of stepped into the Christian realm to saying, I think that, that, that these entities could be angelic and could have uh, our greater good in, in mind if we'll just pay attention. So I, I really felt the need there. Um, and doing all the research, I was led again to your show, Alfred, and led to people that you've interviewed over the years, especially hats off to James Gilliland and, and his work at East Eddy Ranch and looking into that and even going back to the scriptures with his encounters. And they're going out and they're having these encounters under the stars with these lights coming down and stopping on a dime and almost communicating with the people. And um, so I began to go out and have my own encounters as well. Uh, there was a, a video that was uh, 
pretty popular, maybe 2004, 2005, a little bit after that, by a guy named Prophet Yahweh. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Prophet Yahweh, but he uh, he went out with uh, ABC News, I believe it was, in 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 uh, California, and he told them that he had the power and the ability to summon UFOs by using the Hebrew version of the Bible. And so as I'm researching all of this, these angels and these demons and all this stuff, I was led to watch that video. And this guy went out and they had a news crew with him and he raised his hands in the air. He closed his eyes and he said, Yahweh, if it be your will, will you let one of your messengers show up to show these people, first of all, that I'm not crazy and show these people that the angels are out there traveling back and forth. And so I seen the video, um, that all of a sudden this sphere appears just out of, uh, uh, and it almost seemed like it was just out of the atmosphere, but it was a, a, a sphere during the day. And they seen it and all the people with the news crew, the camera guys, the reporter, they were all blown away. And they said that they called the, uh, the uh, Air Force Base and they called the airport and there was supposed to be nothing in the air, no blimps, no testing, nothing like that. So uh, that video I said, well, if he's doing it, and I was led to some other people's work, and at the time, Patrick Cook, I quoted him at the beginning of the book. Patrick Cook had a website called BibleUFO.com, which is not up right now. I'm trying to uh, restore that website because it was a vast, vast knowledge that was lost when his website went down after he passed. But his website really related the UFO um, and um, uh, phenomena and ufology back to the scriptures and then ancient um, paintings and drawings. And I mean, he had uh, eyewitness accounts dating back to like the, the 1500s and even before that of all of these articles and things that were in the news at the time and of blimps and these phantoms that would come over Jerusalem and these things that would, would come down and, and mess with people. And it's like, wow, there's a lot more here than meets the eye. So I'm trying my best to, uh, to restore that website. Um, but it shows you that there's more here than meets the eye, especially going back to the Bible of seeing how these, the, the cloud by day, the fire by night, there was a beautiful encounter, especially when we've went out and had our own experiences with these entities appearing. I mean, I've seen them come out of stars, go into stars. I've seen them fly across the night sky and, and tag what looked like to be a star. They'll tag it and then they will change directions change places with that. And all of that is coming through a, a place with God of, of prayer and saying, Father, would you allow me to see the seraphim? The word seraphim in, in the Bible means the fiery ones, those who are made out of fire. They're angelic messengers who carry the fire of God, but they carry messages. And there's so many different type of, types of entities and things that I've seen for myself that I had to write about it. I couldn't do a, a book on the spirit realm and not include this. And again, uh, drawing the conclusions and painting it back to the Bible. Um, there was a story of Elijah and the young man. Elijah and the young man were on the run and there was an evading army that was chasing them. They went to sleep, woke up the next morning, and there was a huge army surrounding Elijah and this young man. The young man begins to panic we're done. It's over. <laughs> we're, we're, we're finished. And Elijah says, wait, not so fast. He says, because there are more who are for us than those who are against us. And he's like, what are you talking about? It's two of us versus, you know, a thousand chariots and, and people out here ready to kill us. 
And so he lays his hands on, on, on the young man and he prays for him. And he says, Father, if it be your will, would you open his eyes and allow him to see those who are for us? And God opens the eyes of this young man. He looks around in the mountains all around them. And it says there appeared chariots as a fire all around them in the mountains. And he was able to see the angelic armies that were watching over him. He was able to see the fleets of what we may call UFOs or these chariots of fire. Breaking down the word chariot, it goes back to the word. Uh, it just simply means vehicle in the scripture. So it doesn't mean a horse drawn chariot or a buggy. Chariot means vehicle. And it's also in the Hebrew where we get the word um, uh, Merkaba or Merkaba, which means a vehicle of light. In Eastern mysticism, it's believed that through meditation, one can turn their body into a Merkaba through their different breathing techniques and different levels of ascension that you that said that you can do of achieving rainbow body, turning your body into light, into a vehicle of light and, and traveling the universe by turning your body into a Merkaba. So when we talk about these things, they're not so foreign after all. We see them, with a lot of it's lost in translation. And then a lot of it is lost in people wanting to own an idea of evil aliens, of, you know, just outside uh, um, um, invading force that's against us. So it all ties back into the scriptures. And, um, and I, think, I think that there are these entities out there who are watching over us, who have our greater good in mind. But there are entities here who wish to deceive, but they're here. They're not, I don't think that they're out there. Yeah, yeah, and and you even um, uh, use. I'm I'm just looking here from the book. You use quote CE five contact initiative summoning angels. I mean, that's astounding. Could you comment on that just a bit? Yeah. So again, the CE five thing. I believe it was. Um, I know it was made famous by Dr. Stephen Greer, but it was something yeah. that. Um, you know, James Gilliland at East City Ranch was doing essentially what Prophet Yahweh was doing, going out, lifting his hands and asking for a sighting. Um, so that's something that I uh, that I was trying to do as well. Um, the CE5, the close encounters of the first, second, third, fourth and fifth. Uh, and, and, and some people say it goes even beyond that. But the, the fourth kind is where you get abducted. You, the aliens come and they bring you aboard a ship or bring you into another dimension or whatever and you're contacted by these entities. Now the fifth kind is a little bit different because the contact of the fifth kind is not where they contact you, but you go out and contact them. So there's a lot of people who are doing that through prayer and through meditation. Um, and these entities are showing up. Uh, I, noted an, I noted an experience in the book from James Gilliland where he talked about meditating within his home and he was in deep communication with, with uh, these angelic type of entities, right? Some people would call them aliens or whatever. Uh, but his sister comes home and she runs in the house and panics because there's a UFO right above his house. The UFO came down so, so low that it was communicating with him from the ship, from the vehicle, having telepathic communication with him. I've had experiences like that as well where I'll be stargazing either at night and they'll say, Hey, look over here. You, it's a, it's a, in, in a thought that's given to you. Hey, look over here. And you look over there and immediately you see something out of the ordinary. 
I've seen them at night. I've went out. Uh, I've seen them during the day when all of this stuff was new, new for me. Uh, I was traveling all over the country as a truck driver. And the majority of the time, I'm looking up and looking out my window asking for a sighting. I mean, I would be communicating all day, listening to podcasts and radio shows like your own, and um, just expecting to see something and looking for it. And it, it would you know, behoove you to, to know that they're, they're, they've always been there. We just haven't been paying attention. And I would see things that would just blow my mind. I would be driving and I would see fleets of UFOs just appear out of nowhere. They would be, I mean, there was an encounter where I had like 70 ships appear and I'm just driving like blown away. They're changing shape, they're changing form and eventually they just disappear. I've seen stuff out there that just blows my mind and has wrecked my theology and changed my life forever. You can't unsee that stuff. And um, so that's why I'm kind of relating it back to the CE5 initiative because we've been able to go out under an open sky and, and, and play music and really get into this, this beautiful heightened state of consciousness. And they'll come down and say hello, whether it's a night of camping on the river. But I think it's about being intentional to go out and facilitate an encounter like that. Right. Now, uh, there was one part that I found really amazing also and wondered if you could talk to us about it a bit. And that is the special role that Orion plays for Earth. And I wondered if you could uh, address that for us. Yeah, so um, just looking at all this research, um, we see that there's a significance to the Orion Horsehead Nebula. There's something about the center of Orion's belt. Um, so just even with my own personal encounters, I had one of the most amazing encounters that I had. Uh, just I was on a hill. Um, it was about five in the morning and I'm stargazing. I'm naming all the uh, constellations and things that I know. And then I look at Orion's belt and it's one, it's one of the constellations that I know. It's one of the constellations that I love. And I just always feel drawn to it almost like I'm being communicated with uh, through the, the Stargate Orion. Um, and I look at it and something seems a little bit funny because I look up just a little bit and I said in my mind, well, that's not Orion that I'm looking at because that's Orion. And as I look back down at the ones that I was looking at before, there were three uh, uh, lights that were in, like mirrored with Orion's belt. And the ones that were on the edge uh, the, the, there was one in the middle, it was three. So the one, the two on each edge, as soon as I recognized that, Hey, that's not Orion. As soon as I understood that, I was like, Hey, that's something's up. As soon as I said that, um, they started to move and they just started to kind of fly towards each other and kind of go in. And they went in to the constellation of Orion. They went into it and disappeared. And it wasn't until that I knew it, like, and it was almost like, Hey, he sees us. Then he knows something's up. And I seen that and it, and it just blew me. So I just started getting into uh, looking into the Orion Nebula, the Horsehead Nebula, and seeing it all through ancient art, seeing, uh, you know, the Dogon tribe and, and Sirius and how they're connected to um, Orion as well. Looking at the work, especially going back to the Bible, I'm looking at the work of um, Ellen G. White from the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And she had all of these encounters and all of these um, uh, stories to talk about with 
the Orion Nebula and believe that in her visions, she was able to see a vision very similar to what I've seen of these um, lights and these angels traveling in and out of Orion. The more research that you do, you see that coming out of the Horsehead Nebula, there are new stars that are being born coming out of the Horsehead Nebula that almost exists like a, a vortex there. Um, and so many cultures look at heaven to literally be the stargate Orion, to travel through Orion to get to the place where God in creation uh, dwells. Um, and looking back at Ellen G. White's work, she believed it to be a stargate. She believed it to be a portal and believed that the new Jerusalem that the Bible talks about, this, this new earth that is going to come and, and, and replace uh, what we have today would come through the Orion Horsehead Nebula. I would see it in all the art. I would talk to researchers and philosophers and just see it in the art of antiquity. Um, the Orion Horsehead Nebula is very specific and close to the Catholic Church. It's hidden within a lot of their, their paintings. Michelangelo has hidden the Orion Horsehead Nebula within a lot of his, his work. It's also shaped like the human brain as this place of intelligence and where all creation and thought comes from. So there's definitely something to be said when it comes to the significance of Orion. Right. Um, yeah, so moving along here, there um, in, in two different parts, although they're in two different parts, um, it, it seems to me that they're almost connected in a way. You, you talk about the role of plant medicine in the spirit world, but also elemental spirits. And somehow I thought those might be, although in two different parts, for sure, there, there might be a connection there. I wonder if you could talk about both of those topics. Yeah. So uh, just, just looking at the resurgence of plant medicines and how many people um, who are being, who feel like this, this inner call to nature, to the, the inner call to, whether it be psilocybin mushrooms or an ayahuasca ceremony, other Native Americans believe in the power of tobacco and it's a way to cleanse the body uh, using sage and all of this stuff. When we look at even, uh, you know, the pharmaceutical com uh, companies, they all have these different derivatives of a natural plant-based medicine uh, that can be used to heal the human body and to heal the psyche as well. And so they'll take derivatives and change up the, uh, you know, genetic um, makeup of these plants and give us something else. Maybe they'll make it more potent. They'll add other chemicals and they'll change it up. They'll do like uh, these different genetic modifications upon it is uh, essentially tapping into what is called pharmacia of like almost like a witch's cauldron of mixing up these medicines and giving it to us, but they get it from something that is natural that comes from the ground. There's different barks of trees that, that are being used and different things like that, that they're changing up. Um, so the, 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 the plants and the plant kingdom is, is put here for our benefit, for our good, for our consumption. Um, and again, there's a resurgence to uh, psilocybin and some of these things for spiritual encounter. 
um, looking at the work of Terrence McKenna, what he brought to the table, the psychonaut uh, who's done extensive research and have talked about going in on ayahuasca ceremonies or the power of a psilocybin encounter in the woods um, and having a hero dose of five grams of just going in and communing with higher intelligence, uh, uh, higher intelligences in these types of beings, which they've coined the term, um, you know, the machine elves is what they've called them. And it's almost like they go in and for the most part, it's people who are experiencing great trauma in their life or they're dealing with really strong depression. They'll go in on these encounters and they're greeted by these beings who want to help them. They want to heal them. Um, just like any medicine, Robitussin or Advil or any of that kind of stuff, if you abuse it, 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 it can you know, have, have, have bad side effects. You're not supposed to uh, abuse the medicine. And medicine is for those who are sick, those who are in need of a doctor, and nature is the best medicine. Again, the resurgence going back to that. There's a lot of people talking about it. There's a lot of medical, people in the medical communi uh, community who are doing uh, due diligence in their research to show how it's curing depression and not even taking any of the mystical stuff like that with it, but just how even micro dosing psilocybin and things are drastically changing people's lives to bring them out of um, deep depression. Uh, a lot of celebrities who have facing dark depression in Hollywood have went on these ayahuasca ceremonies and journeys and have kicked heroin opiate addiction by the use of these plant medicines so how they communicate with the the uh, elementals just kind of tying that back together is that it's believed that there are spirits that are associated with the plants whether the spirits um are in the plants it's almost like they appear as a walkie-talkie a device for us to communicate with them whether it's sage whether it's psilocybin uh, mushrooms as well they, they're able to communicate with these beings on the other side and this is this is definitely communicated through um, antiquity but here in the west it's kind of been lost a little bit as seeing some of this stuff as party drugs and people becoming addicted to some of these substances and things so um, Terrence McKenna again talking about how it kind of shows up as a walkie-talkie um, and he, he said something because I feel like I have a, a hand in both fields, but there was a quote that Terrence McKenna said. He says, one thing that we in the drug community have that you in the UFO community don't have, he said, is repeatability, repeatability, that we can take a hero dose of psilocybin mushrooms or go on an ayahuasca retreat and we can commune with the, the, uh, the elves, the geometric elves in the other realms anytime that we want we can just go there as a portal and so he communicated that but i really do and this was before the ce5 stuff kind of took off but i think things are changing when it comes to the repeatability even in the ufo community of people having their own interactions within the privacy of their own bedroom through meditation um or or just through stargazing and, and tapping into the ce5 but maybe even uh, using both of them, maybe using the psilocybin to connect with the ent the entities that are on the other side. Um, we we had a um, a men's retreat that we did, and it was me and several of my friends who different people were at different places in their life. Some were dealing with opiate addiction. Some were in the midst of a divorce, and everybody was just in this different place. I was needing some direction for my life, and so we 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 
made this retreat and it was about uh, six of us who all got together and we, we treated it special. There was something that we wanted to kind of bring uh, to the altar, if you will, to say, look, we're dealing with these things and we need help. So we kind of go together, we go out into the woods and we have this bonding experience. We're having fun. And um, um, we, we then take the psilocybin once the sun begins, begins to go down and we start doing some chanting and uh, we just have this spirit of expectation about us that something, something's going to break tonight. And I had done um, a small dose before that, um, a couple months before it in a, a sensory deprivation tank and had these beautiful ideas communicated with me about my walk and about my journey. But it seemed to have come to a standstill. So I wanted to go a little bit deeper. I take the hero dose and I feel like I was an expert at that point. I had one encounter and I was doing interviews and podcasts and things like that. I felt as an expert, I'm putting it in my music. I'm talking about encountering angels and, uh, you know, uh, traveling the multiverse and all of this stuff within my music, um, which, you know, I've experienced uh, the majority of that through astral travel, through the dream state and stuff like that. So there was a validation that I already had that I was just given a piece of some things I've experienced. But as the psilocybin began to kick in, I started to feel a little woozy. I started to feel, hold on, this is, this is a bit stronger than the last time. And I get up to go outside and I'm just trying to gain my composure and I'm going within myself. I'm like questioning, you know, what, what's going on? Why do I feel this way? Because it's not like the last time. It's feeling really intense and I almost feel like something's kind of trying to suck me out of my body almost. Um, I try to... Uh, maintain my composure. I go outside and I throw up a little bit and um, I start looking at the trees and, and everything. And, it, and there's this webbing that seems to be pulled over everything. And it's this green webbing that seems to be like this fabric that connects everything together. And it just kind of, I seen it just connecting everything, the plants, the trees, us, and it just kind of pulled me and I got dizzy and I uh, went inside and sat down and talked to my friend who was kind of facilitating the whole event. And I told him what was going on. I said, man, I'm, I'm not feeling so well, man. I didn't know if I should call the cops. Maybe we had poison. I didn't know what to expect. I felt like, you know, it was their way to make it stop because it felt really weird. Um, sat down and then he said, man, just quit fighting it. It's trying, to, it's trying to show you something. Quit fighting it. And literally I kept feeling it, trying to pull me out to bring me somewhere and show But I was scared. I didn't want to die. <laughs> I, this was kind of new to me. So we sit down on the couch and eventually I was like, you know what? I'm definitely fighting it. I can feel like it's trying to show me something. He said, just relax and just let it take you. And then uh, I close my eyes and immediately I feel like I'm uh, translated to another realm, another dimension. I feel like I'm traveling through the multiverse and there's uh, shapes and colors and everything just zooming by me. And um, it's this beautiful euphoric feeling. And I feel like I'm in touch with with God is kind of overseeing this this thing and um and I come to this place where I'm just seeing geometric shapes and patterns and beautiful sacred geometry and things like that and um I felt these two uh entities there and they communicated with me and said it was almost like a rhetorical question and said is this is this truth seeker are you, are you truth seeker and I'm in inwardly I'm like yeah it's me it's okay so you're the one who is rapping about traveling the multiverse, contacting angels, taking this sacred knowledge and just kind of throwing it out there in music, nonchalantly talking about it in podcast. Is you the expert? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I, yeah. Okay. We just wanted to make sure that 
we had the right one. We have some things to show you. Um, just to want to make sure that you know that the, the, you know, the substance of what you're communicating to the people. So nonchalantly, I just want you to know, we want to make sure we got the right one. And they, they, I said, okay. And they began to just pull me even deeper. And it was almost like they were almost checking me. Like you need to know that the stuff that you're sharing is sacred. Like it's truth. It's been here since the beginning. It's, it's uh, the communication has been lost, but it's sacred. It's not, it's not anything to play with. We have this conversation. We're talking about this very nonchalantly, but it comes with great responsibility, right? It comes with, it's a great honor to be there. And they showed me that, um, I mean, even that my ancestors had, had undergone this process and it was our, um, I have, um, Native American roots, and we were on the the Native American um, stomping grounds in, in, in the area while we were doing it, and uh, just showing me that, like I said, all my ancestors took that, and it was like our rite of passage. Like all these other cultures have these rite of passages, but even that's being like a lost cause. We were into all the e Egyptian mysteries and the Indian and Native American, all of these different uh, rites of passages that were usually incorporated by a, <laughs> a psychedelic experience was well, there's certain sects of uh, native Americans who would, they would make their young people eat a handful of um, um, ants and the ants would bite their insides and, and uh, while they were alive and, and release these um, this poison toxins throughout their body that would send them into a hypnotic trance and they would have to make it through the other side without wimping out. So I really felt like this was a, um, a coming of age even and it was beautiful because we felt like we were one with creation and they were communicating with me, just showing me things about myself, how to get to the next levels and things like that. Um, next thing we know, we'd all open up our eyes together and we're just looking around, just kind of blown out of our mind, like lost for words. And then we would try to explain what we saw, you know, we're explaining uh, complex geometric patterns and, angelic beings and tunnels and we're trying and we just sound silly and it's like oh this is why they tell you not to talk about it. there's no way you can explain it and then all of a sudden I felt it coming back up it was almost like getting ready to go down a um, roller coaster ride I can feel it I'll say okay guys get ready because it's coming and it was like click 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 and we all together it was in unison six other guys were pulled right back into it and shown different things about their life and what they need to get rid of and how to get rid of it. And it was just this beautiful encounter and uh, going back to uh, a meeting in the woods with, with a couple of brothers who had a, a goal and vision in mind, a hero dose of psilocybin mushrooms that called to us. It was something that definitely called to us and presented itself. And um, I'm doing what I'm doing today. The book is, I had to put it in there. Um, I'm doing everything that I'm birthing now is because of that encounter, you know? So I felt that, that the need to put that in the, in the book. And even though that undergoes some scrutiny because we're talking about the Bible and passages and things like that. And now we're talking about plant medicines and stuff. But if we're talking about the spirit realm and how it operates in these different entities and how to contact them and how they wish to contact you, uh, I definitely felt the need to put that whole ex experience in there. Cause it was life changing for me. Well, thank you for uh, sharing uh, this deep encounter. I mean, just your just your sharing it has, uh, you know, I, it's it's almost beyond beyond words. It's it's uh, uh, 
Amazing. I don't think I do it justice by by trying to share it as well. Um, but there was a uh, it, it again tying that back into the scripture some somehow. Like there was um, there's a scripture in the New Testament in Corinthians where the apostle Paul was pulled out of his body, and he said the encounter was so real that he didn't know if he took his body with him, like if he just teleported and went to the heavenly realms, or if his spirit went there. But he said he heard things and he saw things that it was not permissible for men to even speak on. He heard the tongues and language of angels and he, and it was, it was forbidden to, for him to even speak on it. The scripture says, I don't know if it was forbidden. I think it might've been just hard to translate of just this awe and majesty and wonder of being there and then trying to articulate it in a book or write it down or put it in a podcast. Wow. Wow. Well, um, that is quite, that is quite moving. Now, uh, you also talk about two other, two other related uh, topics. One is symbols, signs, and sigils, and divination. I think that those two work together. I, I wonder if you could talk a bit about those. Yeah, for sure. So, the signs and, and symbols is like, again, you know, we always, uh, again, coming from the Judeo-Christian background is like, you know, they demonize what they don't understand. They see something they don't understand it. It's automatically demonic. It's almost like default is demonic for, for a lot of people in, within religion in the church. So I felt the need to talk about that. Um, so there's just so many symbols that I could have went in on just explaining, but I just kind of gave up a, a basic layout of how to understand uh, symbols and, and how, you know, they have more than one meaning for different people. Um, and there was a couple examples. We talk about um, the uh, pentagram, the five pointed star. Many people would see that they immediately drop a red flag. It's means devil worship or something like that. Many Christians believe that, but knowing that where that symbol comes from, it comes from a biblical reference, even the Testament of Solomon, where Solomon was visited by the angel Michael and was given a ring with the five-pointed pentagram on it. And that ring, that symbol gave him power to have authority over the spirits. And the spirits would uh, listen to, to listen and do whatever he commanded them to do. So he would uh, bid them to come and he would get secrets from the demons and from the other spirits and things like that. And so the symbol in and of itself is a symbol that is even used in Wicca and different uh, realms of paganism. It's a very ancient symbol. It's not used for summoning demons. It's used to have control and authority over them, but it was used to have protection from demonic and unclean spirits. So, you know, many people who will practice uh, different forms of Wicca and things like that, they would draw a, a pentagram in the dirt or make salt, and they would get in the middle of it as they draw a circle around it so that they wouldn't, that any entities from the outside wouldn't be able to uh, come within their sacred space while they were performing their ritual. So seeing something like that, as, as most people would see it as bad, it really has something of, of beauty that, that it represents. And then taking the same symbol and reversing symbols that have the, a different effect. So taking the, uh, the pentagram and reversing it, flipping it upside down, we then have the Baphomet. And the Baphomet symbol in and of itself isn't, isn't a, a negative symbol, but for those who would be maybe against Christianity or the church, 
which would be Satanism, which is kind of like a uh, just a res- Satanism, like is like a response to Christianity. Like they even calling themselves a church and using tenets and things like that. It's just like a response to what was already established. So they use the uh, the the upside down pentagram, flipping it upside down, trying to make a symbol evil. So when you take a symbol and invert it, then it becomes evil, supposedly for the person who's doing it. Again, the, the, the symbols in and of themselves have no power. The beauty is in the eye of the beholder. It means, the symbol means only what it means to you, whether you're studied in symbolism and you know the beauty, you know the many different meanings and different people and sex and how and why they use it. Another symbol uh, that has the same qualities, I would say, would be the cross. Christians would have the cross uh, hanging in their house or even wearing it as a necklace. And it represents Christ. It represents what Jesus did on the cross for their sins. It represents freedom. It, maybe they would hold it in times of despair and uh, when they feel lonely or feel like, you know, they don't have anyone in their life, they always have Jesus, right? So they'll hold their cross and that cross represents power and freedom and forgiveness even, right? So we would look at the symbol of the upside down cross. Again, that's another symbol that the satanic uh, church has taken and they use it for evil means. The upside down cross is kind of to blaspheme the name of Christ and things like that. So many Christians, many seekers would do their research and looking, looking at the Catholic church and they would see that there's many uh, Catholic churches. And even at the Vatican, there are symbols of upside down crosses all over the place. They have symbols of the upside down cross. And so many people, when they first see that, they say, look, they're secretly blaspheming Christ. They claim to be a Christian organization, but they're blaspheming the Lord and Savior. And when they see that symbol, they immediately rebel. They immediately say, aha, I told you they was wicked or whatever. But looking at this, that symbol of what it means to them, most people don't even know, unless they're studied in, in uh, symbolism, is that the upside down cross for the Catholic represents the Apostle Peter, who thought it robbery to be crucified in the same manner as his Lord Jesus. So when they went to crucify Peter, he asked them to crucify him upside down. So the Catholic church uh, believes that, that their church uh, was established by Peter. They called Peter the, the, their first Pope. And so in reverence of Peter, the rock of Christianity, the Bible says that and Jesus was talking to Peter and he says that uh, upon this rock, this knowledge upon you, the word Peter actually means rock. It's, it means kepha. But upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So the upside down church to the Catholic, to the priest, means something totally different to the person who isn't trained in the symbolism. They just think it's something, uh, you know, even some, a symbol of, of blasphemy. Much like to uh, someone who is driving through the suburbs and you maybe see a train pass by. And there's all of this beautiful art. Some people are really skilled and really good with some of the art on side of a train, but it's gibberish. The words don't make sense. There's weird symbolism. We have no idea what those symbols mean. But the person who is initiated into that order or into that craft or into that gang, they totally understand those signs and those symbols, whether it's calling out a rival game, whether it's marking territory for their, you know, marking their turf that they own this part, or even marking xing out a symbol to x out somebody's name or x out one of their gang uh, symbols means that they've put a hit on that person 
the rival gang has and their symbols and things that's communicated that the ordinary person has no idea. They just see these weird, intricate symbols unless you're initiated into that. Again, looking at some of the Masonic orders, Luciferian orders, uh, looking at the, the back of the dollar bill, which is, has so much intriguing Egyptian Babylonian symbolism on it. You know, as America being a Christian nation, nobody has any idea what it means unless you've done the research. And by doing the research, you're initiated into the secrets. And now you understand the meaning of the Latin words on the dollar bill or the, uh, the uh, phoenix or the, uh, the eagle on the back of the dollar bill, the eye upon the pyramid, all seeing eye, things like that, that the majority of the people, they haven't even took, took the time to look at it. So that's what I go into um, some deep... Uh, meanings behind symbolism in signs and, and objects that are cursed and blessed objects. Even, even if you used to have a cursed object, you got to have a blessed object for one to be true. The opposite has to be true as well. So I'll give you some biblical examples and references there. And then going into divination, which is a really beautiful part uh, divination. Again, that word is very scary when it comes to the Christian realm divination i think they think of like communicating with with demons to uh to get secret information right that's just where their mind immediately goes but divination in biblical terms was something beautiful that was ordained by god himself to communicate with the creator and it was just different ways that the um israelites would would commune with god whether it be the casting of lots they would have these different sticks that they would throw on the ground or they would hold it in their hand and whoever got the, the shortest straw, they, they were the one picked for the task. But it wasn't just a, something that they believed to be random. They believed it to be ordained by God, that if we're following God, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, then our steps are ordained. So God, what would you say? We look in the book of Acts, Acts chapter one, Judas dies. Judas betrays Christ. There's something about that number 12, that they needed to be 12 disciples. They had two more guys who was up for consideration. It's okay. Judas has betrayed us. He's gone. We need, we need to fill this gap. Jesus has passed on. We need to keep this thing together. We need one more person. Why couldn't they just pick 13? I think there's something about the number 12 and dealing with astrology. But sticking with, with this, they're like, okay, we want both of you guys. But they say, you know what? Let's just pray because we may pick and we may pick the wrong one, but let's ask God. And so they all come together, Peter and the rest of the disciples and apostles come together and they pull out all these straws. They cast lots and they say, Father, you know, everyone's heart, even the people who are here now, whoever is right for the job, let him be the one who uh, picks the shortest straw in the casting of lots and we'll go with it. And they literally for something that important, this person was going to be traveling with you, eating with you, sleeping in your midst, the stranger, like it had to be <laughs> the right person. And they left it up to what we would call in the West, maybe as it was just chance, but they picked it and it fell upon um, Matthias and he was counted amongst the 12 as in a game of chance, even what we would call it. But they believed uh, because the scripture said, uh, and, and uh, it was many, many other times in the old Testament where it was shown and it says that that God has his way in the lot like every lot that is picked is it's the will of the Lord so there would be no question there'll be no redo it's essentially us doing any mini miny mo or Rochambeau and whoever wins like it was something that they considered God to be speaking 
to them through. And there was many different means of divination, where, whether it was uh, claromancy, whether it was the, the casting of lots or even throwing bones down, different ways to commune with God through uh, these different uh, means of chance. And even today, we see a lot of people who use tarot cards and things like this as this this card is the card of chance and able to read that and communicate the message from the divine. And so that's even what the word divination means. One who is a diviner, one who is able to kind of hear God and translate the message back to humanity. So something that we've called evil or demonic over all these years has its foundations within the biblical blueprint and the Bible's not against it. It's actually for it. Um, you you also have two two different parts. One is who is Lucifer, and the other is the light of Christ. And I wondered if you could address that those those two different poles. For sure. So understanding Lucifer, you you hear a lot of different things. Um, Lucifer is the devil. Maybe Lucifer is Beelzebub, or even Lucifer is Satan. Those kind of things. But just addressing, you know, in, in the book, I address the Satan thing. What is, what is a Satan? The word Satan means adversary. One who is opposing the will of God, the perfect sovereign will of the universe for your life. Anything that comes against that is acting as a Satan, right? And will be dealt with. Um, so the, the Lucifer, though, that, that term specifically is only mentioned of one time in the Bible. And when it's mentioned, it's in the book of Isaiah, chapter 14. And when it's being used, it's saying, uh, Lucifer, how thou has exalted thyself among the stars in the heavens and amongst the people and claimed to be like God, right? And he's saying, because of this, because of your, because of your pomp, because of um, how um, audacious you are to do this, and it's, 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 and I, um, analogy or an allegory because it's referring to the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, who had the Israelites enslaved. And it was a warning from God channeled essentially through Isaiah saying, look, if you don't let God's people go, there's going to be, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> you need to let them go or you're going to fall. Um, Lucifer, that's a analogy or reference to the planet Venus or what is called, what is known as the, the bright and morning star. And it says, just, just as the bright and morning star is the brightest star or planet in, in the morning sky, especially being a stargazer, when you go out, the brightest one that you see, let's say, you know, four in the morning is the, the brightest thing in the sky. It was Sirius for a while. Sirius has moved on. But Venus, the planet Venus is the brightest object in the sky. And it has all the glory and it's shining in its splendor until the rising of the sun. And when the sun rises, all the other stars bow down to this one star, which is the sun. They bow down. And so Venus is cast out of heaven in all of its splendor. And it's made to bow down to the, you know, the one. And, and it, uh, uh, the scriptures in antiquity, the Bible says the Lord is a sun. Like the, the Bible uses references of, of uh, astrology and astro uh, theology of the sun being God in the midst of all of this. So I uh, saying, look, if you don't repent, if you don't let God's people go, you're going to fall. And so it's, he's talking to 
the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. And, and, and the way you know this, because if you continue to read in that chapter, he kind of tells you, he says, is this not the man that did make the earth to tremble, that did weaken the nations? Is a man. It didn't say, is this the spirit? Is this the entity? Is this the devil? Is whatever. Is this the power of principality? Says, is this not the man that caused the na- nations to tremble? And you're going to see him. Uh, brought to naught. You're going to see him just like the, the king of Babylon and all these other uh, kings were. There was they fell. They fell from the heavens. They fell from grace. And uh, and 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 knowing how much astrology is within the Bible, and in the Bible mentions Orion. The Bible mentions the Pleiades, and it talks about them and uses all of these references. And so it was just kind of it, it goes along with the verbiage of the scriptures of of, of astrology and astronomy. So that's where the Lucifer thing comes in. Um, as far as the Jesus part, right? Um, who is Jesus in the light of Christ? I go into what the, the Bible talks about in the book of um, Colossians about um, who Jesus is. And it talks about he was the first born um, among many brethren. It says that he was uh, there when God created the universes, when God created everything, Jesus was, was there. And, it, and not only was it created through him, but it was created for him. So it paints the picture of going back and really just uh, picking apart that verse in Colossians um, about how like Christ is supreme, the white light of truth, of love being supreme. Uh, as far as when we, uh, a basic understanding of Jesus would be love that became a person. If there was perfect love that was embodied in a form of per, of a person, it was Jesus, the righteousness of God in the flesh, the he who, who knew no sin. He came to earth and he did this thing right. He did it perfect, right? So he showed us how to do it. But in regard to the spirit realm and these other demons and entities and powers and principalities and elementals and ghosts and goblins and keep going. The, the, the list doesn't stop. And I think the book paints that picture, but showing that they all answer to the supremacy of Christ, that he is the one that they, like the scripture says, every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Like these entities. Uh, so some, some people find, find themselves in, in really weird situations with making packs with demons, opening up doors to devils that they come in and they begin to go be schizophrenic. They allow demons and, and dark energies within their auric field, but it is through the supremacy of Christ through by which these demons are cast out and they have to go. And we've seen this many, many times in demonic possession, even in those who, who claim to be abducted by aliens, they'll be going through these, um, uh, these crazy experiences and they'll just, just get the word Jesus out of their mouth. And immediately these experiences stop immediately. They're back in their room. They find peace in the scripture talks about how Jesus is able to open up doors and close doors that no man can open or close. So I believe that there's doors that we can open in our own lives, in our own mind, in our own psyche, that Jesus is able to come in and close because they all have to, uh, they, they have to do what he says. And so I've seen that within my own life. If you read the introduction, I go into how 
in, in my study of the occult and my study of, of some of the dark practices, I ended up opening up, up my mind and my life uh, to some of these entities that uh, wish to have me in a state of madness and schizophrenia as well. But I uh, as well went back to the light of Christ and found freedom for my soul. So that's the whole light of Christ. Also go into a uh, just supernatural encounters with Jesus and with that great light, uh, the light of the world, as it's called, and how we can we can uh, tap in for ourselves and encounter the depths of who, who Jesus is. Right, right. And and you I, and and you really end the book talking about uh, one's own spiritual gifts, the different spiritual gifts and 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 psychic abilities uh, that that people can have, the different spirits, the spirit of adoption, of love, of power, uh, the uh, various spiritual and uh, gifts, and could you talk a bit about that? <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, I do. I end the book there. So again, just kind of painting that that overview is of uh, of seeing the sovereignty of what we call God, right? Of this right. universal law, if you will. There's there's cause and effect. There's action and reaction. Uh, there's different laws that the that the universe is uh, plays by. And God is is if it's an entity, if it, if God is a, a being, just the, the all has created this thing to just kind of let it go on autopilot. When something needs to happen, I don't think God gets off the throne and comes and, you know, has to point a finger or something. There's spirits and things that are dispatched that are for a righteous reason, right? So understanding that and then how all these entities interact with mankind, the different ones that I've mentioned throughout the course of the book and, how, and if I've had any experience with them, I put that in there. And then who Christ is and how he is like the head of all principality and all power and all dominions, and then how we have spiritual abilities, gifting, ESP, as you will. I, I also marry, marry it that way as well, because a lot of this, again, is coming from a biblical perception of showing you that these, what, what we would call in, in the spiritual community, extrasensory perception, clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, being able to see being able to hear spirits, being able to feel them around us, again, the hair, things like that, going into a, a lot of that detail and showing you in the Bible how Jesus, the prophets and disciples were able to kind of tap into these senses as well. And we can today. So if they needed it back then, how much more do we need it now? And people are born with these abilities. People, uh, if they don't understand how to use them, they become victims of the uh, the abilities because they, they have never been shown how to use it. Um, if we go to the, we again, going back to the pharmaceutical industry, they're drugging and, and the prophets and, and the seers and the star seeds and the people who are, are gifted and real sensitive in this stuff where they're able to hear voices. They, they, they get around certain people and they know exactly what you're thinking just by bumping shoulders with you or being close to you. And that's, that's overwhelming. It's scary if you've never heard anybody talk about it. So that's why I wanted to put that in the book. And it's just really giving you my story of how I came into my own spiritual abilities and giftings. Um, again, you know, the Bible doesn't use clairaudience, clairsentience. It doesn't use that verbiage. 
but it does talk about a quickening in the spirit. It talks about being caught up. It, it talks about uh, a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, that just supernatural wisdom that's imparted to you, knowledge about a situation of, that somebody's dealing with beforehand where there was no other way for you to understand. There was no other way for you to know, but supernaturally it's imparted to you, whether it's from God, whether it's from the angels, or whether you're just able to discern the spirits. And so we see a lot of people now just being real um, empathic, talk about going to Walmart and I just can't be out in public. I'm able to sense all of this, you know, and so it's overwhelming. If you, you have to learn how to turn it off and turn it on, the scripture says that the spirit of the prophet is subject unto the prophets. So there's people who have been through this stuff. We know what it feels like. We know um, when we try to talk to people and nobody believes you or they don't want to, they think it's demonic even. That's a big part of it. So, I go into that detail and then I go into a little bit of detail in the end with different spirits that are mentioned. Now, these are just different spirits, which are essences that are out there and they come within our auric field. They get upon us, um, spirit of love, joy, peace. Um, but there's more there's, and, and these are, these are just scriptural references of them. I just wanted to show you where they were in the Bible. And it's not really getting into a lot of demonology. There's a lot of stuff that, that wasn't in there with demonology, but it's just about the spirit of the, or the essence of a spirit. So a certain spirit can come with it and bring about peace, love, joy, patience with it. Another one can come and bring confusion. It talks about the spirit of whoredom, uh, selling yourself short, always being victim and always having people against you. The spirit of Jezebel, all of these things. And I give you a biblical reference for where these spirits, spirits are mentioned of in the bible as well right well just just on a personal note i i wonder if you could share with us because i've i've experienced you and our and our and our listeners here our our audience has experienced you as a as a musician sharing your your songs and now sharing this content this deep spiritual content and i wondered if if you could just share how it feels different to you each of those two contents mm -hmm. each of those two modes yeah for sure so you know the music i've been doing it for a long time um and i i kind of talk about all of this stuff i, I i'm pretty sure i've covered the majority of the stuff in the book in the music but it's only in passing um, so I'm not able to just kind of go in detail in, in song now, uh, whether it's the, the type of song or just I run out of rhyming words. So I can only just give you a couple, you know, uh, sentences or bars on uh, some of the, the stuff that I'm t uh, talking about. But this is stuff that I'm well studied on and I have personal experiences with and I've been communicating it through my music for years. But even that. And, and so I do spiritual hip hop. So that's only a certain demographic who listen to hip hop. Um, and so I'm missing so much more people and then I'm wanting them to really grasp what I'm talking about. Again, uh, just like the angel said that in bypassing, I'm talking about traveling to Orion. I'm talking about summoning UFOs with the seal of Solomon. I'm talking about this stuff, but it's in passing nonchalantly. So the book and the podcast and the things that I'm bringing to the table now are different ways for me to kind of go into more detail and really just get it all out of me without the, uh, construct of a rhyming uh, scheme or a timing signature with the song. 
So to really just get it all out of me when it comes to ufology and my experiences and things like that, to not just do a, a three minute song, which is good. It, it, it grabs, even that grabs its own, a new audience that brings them in. But the book, the podcast and the music, they're kind of intermarried so that the people who uh, are really big into the music and they want to know more that, Hey, what do you mean by this? What do you mean by summoning UFOs? Well, there's a chapter on it. What do you mean by the seal of Solomon? What, what is, okay. There's a chapter on it, you know, plant medicine, the golden teachers, these entities, what, what is, cause I have songs about all, all of this stuff. So the book really just goes into a lot of detail about stuff that I've been speaking about for years. And it's really a, a wide range of topics. I've really tried to cover it all. I mean, each topic could, could be a book in and of itself and maybe eventually, uh, but I had to know when to kind of cut it off. And I felt like when I was writing the book, when I started to repeat myself, I was like, okay, it's time, <laughs> it's time to go on to the next chapter or go ahead and end it. Cause I could have just kept going, you know, if, with the analytical mind, it's like, okay, well now we got this out the way, then there's this. Now we, ha we can't mention that without going into this. And so that's, I know you're a writer too. So just the way my mind works, it's like, okay, I just got to cut it off. And, and go ahead and get it out. Because if I don't, the book would never come out. So, uh, man, there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears that went into it. And a, a lot of headache of just getting it out and just searching myself and getting it out and out and out. But I'm, I'm super pleased with it. I'm pleased with the editing. I'm, I'm pleased with uh, um, uh, the artwork. It's a, a beautiful uh, piece to have. The artwork is amazing as well. The, the art uh, artist did a great job. It's just it's just a beautiful relic and it just came out last week. Uh, it's only been out like four days now. And um, yeah, I'm getting crazy reviews already on it. It immediately went to the uh, bestsellers um, list on Amazon in my categories. Um, just through the comments are just mind blowing as well. Cause people are saying that like, I can feel the vibration and they just can feel like almost like it's a relic. And that's why I just wanted something physically to hold. Cause there's people who want to get the, uh, you know, the PDF version or the Nook or Kindle, I'm like, it's just something to be able to hold on to like a physical copy. Uh, there's pictures in it that kind of embody the representation of some of the things that I'm talking about. I'm super uh, pleased with the book and I appreciate you letting me come on here and share it with your audience, Alfred. Oh, sure. That's, um, uh, let me just go over here. That's Spirit Realm, Angels, Demons, Spirits, and the Sovereignty of God. By, by True Seeker. Uh, I really want to thank you for spending all this time with, with us and, 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 and really going in depth into, uh, into your work. I mean, you've, you've, uh, I know that the book is, is a product of a lifetime of work. And, and uh, as you said, a, a good period of time that you've created it and then you just brought it out there and and all of us are you know support our our and are in in awe and if if people want to follow more broadly your work where can they where can they go yeah so uh essentially you could just go to my website it has um the portals to everything whether it's my podcast my music the book um, everything that I'm bringing to the table. I've been been working on guided meditations recently as well. Um, and they're, they're 
it, that's a whole nother podcast because uh, it's some beautiful stuff. But you go to my website, truthseeker.com, truth, S-E-E-K-A-H, truthseeker.com, and you'll, you'll get access to everything there. Wonderful. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, th this has been uh, a real gift uh, for you to come on again. And uh, uh, we, uh, you, you've brought a tremendous amount of spiritual light, I think. And you've moved through the dualities. I mean, <laughs> many dualities that for you sure. just moved right through. So we all want to thank you for for doing that. Are there any final words that you'd like to leave our, yeah. our, our, our audience with? Oh yeah, for sure. I, I just kind of reiterate the fact that like, I feel spoiled, you know, that I've had so many spiritual encounters and then the more people I talk to they're they're having these encounters as well. But then you have people who have never experienced any of this stuff and we're experiencing it daily. I think it's because we're open to it as we're, we're, we're open to, uh, this kind of stuff. And we're asking the bigger questions. Like we really, something within me wants to know where I came from. Something within me wants to know what's going on out there in the ethers and in the heavens. And if you ask the questions, you'll get the answers. And I don't think I'm any person special. I think that this is available for anybody out there. So the book kind of paints that picture. Um, Alfred, I want to say thank you again for letting me come on your show, sharing with your audience. And, and, and thank you again for the work and consistency that you've been bringing to the table for years now, uh, not letting up, working through health issues and just showing up, man. I want to thank you for that. Uh, say a huge thank you to everybody who's influenced my work, really. Jordan Maxwell for writing the forward in the book and being an inspiration. Uh, Stephen Greer mentioned his name as well. James Gilliland uh, uh, and, and the deceased uh, Patrick Cook with BibleUFO.com, who are some key players who really have in, uh, influenced my work. And uh, you've, you've, presented a platform for the majority of these people. So thanks for everything you brought to the table, Alfred. Wonderful. Well, good. And uh, Godspeed, as they say. Thank you, sir. We'll do it again with the next one. Oh, okay. Good enough then. All right, See brother. You thank soon, you so much. And, and thank you so much.